Hey, 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 everybody. How are you all guys doing? Welcome to the Wimper Podcast, where we talk about all the goofy stuff related to space, astronomy, deep tech, AI, and a lot more to learn about which you won't find much in a conventional form of education. Um, before we start off with the episode, I've had a lot of backlash from a lot of people a lot of times on this show um, asking that why do you bring people who do not have much of an influence or, or a follower base on uh, your show? Um, and my own only answer to that is why not? Right? Why not bring these people and try to showcase the world that... They are someone too. I mean, they have been working a lot harder, harder than anybody else who has been in the spotlight and they haven't got the amount of influence or the amount of following or the amount of uh, recognition that they uh, deserve a lot of times. And I am truly supportive of that idea. And because of that, I really like to bring people who do not have as much of following, but can really provide some really quality content on this channel. In fact, let me tell you something. The amount of followers that one of my guests or any of my guests has is indirectly proportional to the type of content and the amount of content that they can produce or they have produced for me. For example, this episode that you're going to watch is uh, from one of uh, STEM educators that I've known from LinkedIn for quite a bit, quite a bit of time, and I really liked talking to him. I really found so much value uh, in this episode in particular because we really talked on thought-provoking stuff that I haven't heard much on other shows who do space podcasting or STEM education and stuff. And uh, I really want these things to be valuable, irrespective of how many followers or how many recognitions or how many references anybody has given to them. Uh, and hence, uh, I bring you uh, the 17th episode, I guess, of the Wimper Podcast. Hope you enjoy it. Yep. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Wimper Podcast. Uh, probably the 17th episode, I guess. Mihir Athale, uh, we have here today. Is an astronomy educator and is proficient in IT and engineering. He has worked on various projects from teaching astrophotography to tribal kids in Ladakh and astronomy to students at an organization he's currently working at. In this episode in particular, we are going to be talking about teaching. How do you teach STEM? What challenges do you need to solve? How do you get better? And some really fun and thought-provoking questions along the way. So, grab your snacks, sit around and have a cup of if you wish, take notes if you wish, and enjoy the show. Yep. Hi, Mir. How are you doing? Hey, hi, uh, I'm doing great. Uh, just, we are having holiday season, uh, to be honest, with the kids. So we are preparing for the next year's curriculum. And as of now, I have a stargazing plan uh, tonight, if the weather stays clear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, where are you right now? 
I'm in Coimbatore, a Tamil Nadu. Okay. So I hope the night sky is quite clear, right? Because I, I did actually did a session with uh, one of the people who is uh, into stargazing and like has an organization into st- of that focuses on stargazing itself. And they were they were saying discussing on the same problem that stargazing can't be done very much in city light and all that stuff. So. Do you also face that problem? I do definitely face it. Like we all do because of the city lights, people have stopped looking up and uh, people have lost the glory of the night skies. So mm-hmm. usually you have to travel 200, 300 kilometers away from the city, uh, probably a big city like Bangalore, uh, Hyderabad or Delhi to get into the good skies. Uh, here in down south, Koimatur is slightly better where we are blessed with good enough okay skies about 100 and 150 kilometers away. Mm-hmm. But from the city you cannot see much. Uh, usually the bright stars, planets, the weather is extremely clear. You'll go on about to see a few star clusters and Oran that we love, which is one of the brightest objects in the night sky. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's about it. Uh, for the kids, uh, for the outreach and whatever we are doing right now, uh, that is like just the beginning like and that is enough for them to experience but if they're interested we do often suggest them to come with us for a stargazing trip somewhere in the western guards probably somewhere near Uti or Madhumalai forest <laughs> I see so where do we start let's start off with the questions itself or like do you have something to tell our audience let's start with the questions I think we can share the journey as we go along yep so the first question that I have, uh, we've created this stigma around space and tech education, to be honest, that I've also observed personally, that these fields are only for science students and people in the scientific field and STEM field. I'd say that's not very true, to be honest, because I'm studying PCM right now in 12th grade. And there are only one to two kids around me uh, who are studying in my class who even know how ChatGPT works, to be honest. Okay. They like the rest of the students don't even know how ChatGPT works. Probably they haven't used it for, for even once. Probably they haven't even heard of what uh, an AI model is, what an LLM is, or what a generative AI model is. Forget all of those complex stuff. They have not even used the software. So I think that's quite quite thing that it has been myth busted. Um, that is not true that people in the science or STEM field are updated with technologies uh, around them, new te- developing technologies all the time, because it also depends upon the environment you are in. And so, yeah, th- um, I think I would like to ask about the possible solutions that you think might be to dissolve this stereotypical mentality that, te- that we've created. Uh, I think the best as you told, uh, as you said before, like there, there are a lot of things uh, which people associate uh, certain things that are associated with technology. Like if you say ChatGPT, yeah, it sounds like a something complex technology, or uh, let's say even a galaxy or uh, space science. Uh, these things uh, sound like very complex scenarios, and uh, it gives an answer or why people cannot understand general theory of relativity. Don't mind, I don't understand it either. But uh, the example is basically why people don't understand it because there are no real life examples of these things which you can relate to. Mm-hmm. 
So, uh, let's say a galaxy is a spiral. And uh, it's very hard to imagine, okay, what kind of spiral it is. Uh, not something like that. But if you, uh, let's say, if it's a jalebi or, uh, you know, a chakali, like if you give them the example of which is a real time, it is much easier to, you know, reciprocate to that and understand. There you don't need a technology. You just need them. Simple uh, imagination. This Is that because... That thing is just physical and in front of me, uh, in my in my vision. Is that because, is that the reason yes. why it is? Okay. Yes, definitely it is. Because something, if you cannot imagine a, a space-time curvature and these things, and you cannot, because we, we don't experience the daytime like daily. See, uh, there are certain people, certain tribes uh, in Africa, they don't have certain letters or certain words because they don't, have them around them or they haven't used them for generations together. Right. Because they weren't evolved like that. Similarly, if we want to experience and imagine something, we need to have a X to Y comparison or Y to Z comparison to be like that. So when you say Himalaya, you instantly know some mountains, some tall mountains because we have learned it, we have seen it through pictures, images, X, Y, Z. But when you say, okay, space time curvature, uh, a star is massive. What is the massiveness? What is the what is the scale? You don't understand that. That's why we have all these YouTubers explaining the video of solar system sizes and all of these stuff. Okay. And uh, you don't need technology for that. When I'm teaching the third grader or a fourth grader astronomy, I cannot even use words like, you know, uh, something uh, complex. Let's say I say orbital mechanics just by yes. mistake. Yeah. The kid's next question would be, what is orbital mechanics? Then I would try to over-explain because that's the tendency of humans to over-explain things when you, when somebody is not aware of that term. And then you keep on uh, making these terms which the kids will not understand and you're in a downward spiral. Mm-hmm. And especially with the kids, I would say, uh, you're standing in front of a machine gun or a firing squad. But mm-hmm. then firing thousands of bullets like questions at you and you cannot uh, shoot them down because that will uh, uh, get down their morale or they will be too afraid to ask the question so you cannot do either of that right but that you cannot use the complex words to explain the same thing either hmm. um so so are you saying that the sentence that you made uh, humans tend to over explain complex stuff right so are you saying that we tend to explain things over, for example, provide extra content more than we might want to give because we think that may, that will make things e- even easier for the person in front of us to understand that? Is that because it, of our intuition? And that intuition, it's, it's basically... It's not our intuition. And it's not... Understand this. Let me explain it to you. Uh-huh. And then you keep on going in the over explanation spiral and then you lost the essence of it. Yeah. I see. And that's just, I think that's just a part of human nature. It's not like we do it willingly or it is a personal trait, but we do that every now and then. We over explain things to some, let's say a grandmother who doesn't understand about mobiles. We give, like we keep on explaining thousand things about technology. But she just wants to send a message. I see. I see. I think 
that's that's something that I even do with my parents at times. Um, I don't know why this is, but yeah. Uh, so you've explained the problems that we have that that kids might be facing. Even a student on the personal level might be facing when getting explained some form of topic, some form of aspect by another educator, someone uh, who is sort of more advanced and more familiarized with that particular topic. What? But I still don't think I have the answer to the question that I have. What are the possible solutions that we can bring to this? Like even that, like I'm talking to you one one to one, right? If you just uh, start hitting complex, uh, you know, terms to me, I don't, I, I will not understand that, right? I will be completely out of out of sight. I will completely get bored. I would, I would uh, rather say I'm not understanding things, and that would make the conversation very blunt and and very bad to hear. Right? Correct. Correct. So, what are the possible? One possible solution, like I can think of two, three different solutions, but uh, the one possible solution is the basically uh, dialing it down. One is what we should realize, basically, to get into the stuff. Why dialing it down? You should get into the kids' space or uh, anybody's space you're explaining it to. You have to get into their space and be the kid or be the ten grader or be the twelve grader or a older guy probably who doesn't understand but you have to be in that space their space where they feel comfortable about the scenarios then you can explain them what right right and the second would be uh second solution would i think is uh uh we do lack uh because we never taught like i am a science communicator my uh the company i'm working with most of us are science communicators and we Barely lack the science communication part uh, in India. Yeah. Second part would be to get more science communicators on board. There are only few of us, and uh, we have been self-taught. All of us have been self-taught. There are no science communication courses or how science should be taught. Right. To make it interesting, either there are like uh, astrophysics or the PhD level guys. Who are doing a really great job at what they do, but they cannot communicate with the people, mm -hmm. and people cannot understand them because they're like, "This is something way out of my league, and why should I talk to this guy?" I see. So mm -hmm. uh, back in the '90s, uh, Carl Sagan did this a very good job of bridging two communities. Right now, Neil deGrasse Tyson is doing a great job in US, but in in, in India, we are in dire need of these science communicators where we have to learn how to engage with people <laughs> even even if i'm saying i i know how to handle kids uh i would prefer or i would definitely would love to have a uh a, a mentor or a guide who can teach me how to do these things better because he has more experience so then i i think you're particularly ta talking talking about india i would say because india is not a scientific society right People in India don't believe in stuff like I can't go walk around and talk about maybe let's say a nitrogen a nitrogen nitrogen bomb is uh, four times more explosive than a dynamite. So who cares? It's like that. People will say, but I do do care if you are talking about uh, the strotham of Shiva. Okay, I do care about the pujas that you are doing. So I think that's the problem we are facing. It's a cultural shift we are talking about. We have to make that, and that's possibly 
so one of the hardest hardest questions and hardest uh, problems that one can face how do bring a cultural shift in a wide wide economy in such a vast and diverse society that's one of the biggest challenges one can face i would say and what i've what i've seen so far is only someone with a certain amount of power and credibility and leverage uh, of audience i would say right for example even a politician maybe some somebody who is very popular somebody very influential somebody very respectful very respected uh can only do that that's what i think uh, is the possible solution yeah uh, i would love to know your take on that uh yes a a, a person who is in power or who is in charge or who can make things happen is definitely a person we should look up to and uh, they can definitely make a change uh recently uh, i had a personal experience of uh, that being done here uh, our district collector here in coimbatore uh he was really interested in the uh, you know revitalizing or restarting our regional science center here and he personally got involved in the project uh he took interest in how we can do it and we worked together we are currently uh in the last 6 uh, to 8 months we got a lot of uh, underprivileged kids or uh, the people uh, not people the students from uh, the government schools coming to the regional science center and we as educators we went on uh, explaining them whatever is happening in different sections of the uh, regional science center and yes you need uh, those people who can make it happen and that was a wonderful experience because i did not expect it to happen at such a rapid pace because he genuinely took the interest and he made it happen how many kids were there uh each week we had about 100 kids coming up and we were doing this for 6 months so probably uh let's say 4 in 2 6 uh, already 4 25 so about 2500 to uh, 3000 students that that's a really good number yeah almost almost and urban school and very tight yeah totally that's a, that's a great great thing so like you met them personally and you were uh, convincing things and conveying all the knowledge personally to them uh, yes and no because uh, the i'm uh, not that uh, you know well versed in tamil and most of the these kids were from the government schools so I was involved in the activities whatever planned but directly communicating is what one thing which I wasn't involved because I'm not that well versed in Tamil but my uh, fellow educators and my co-founder all of them were continuously involved and whenever there were schools where the uh, kids could speak better english or I could understand their questions and reply back them in english there I was completely involved I see right so you gave solution or number 1 get in the kids uh, understand the kids space know what the kid knows probably nothing don't try to be an expert in front of someone who knows nothing is that what you think yeah solution number 2 was uh what was it i i, I haven't totally solution number 2 would be uh, getting into the uh, you know no don't explain that was the first thing even i forgot oh just a minute uh what was the second solution uh completely okay you i think it was about science communication increasing science yeah 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 yeah, yeah. the dire lack uh, lack of okay. science communicators in the country yeah 
So the com- the country in specifically India, I would say, I, I think lacks. I mean, yeah, we all have seen a lot of times communication issues. Um, isn't that also about the media? Uh, I would say, uh, how many times have like I've seen uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson visit a lot of very popular talk shows in the United States. For example, that late night talk show with uh, Stephen Colbert, Jimmy Kimmel. I think there's one Jimmy Fallon, right? All of these talk shows have brought people who are into the STEM field, or not just actors and Hollywood people. Right? How many times have you seen a, have you seen a, a STEM educator or a scientific person who has done really great in those fields on couple Shirmer? Zero. I was seen right. badge. Right. Almost zero. So that's the that's I think the cultural shift we want to bring. If the amount of audience Kapil Sharma or people having the amount of influence uh, like Kapil Sharma just, just talking about him or with uh, with the example of him have the opportunity have, have the opportunity to give such an amount of leverage to these people they can do a lot of stuff uh, by providing an audience to these people and that's not happening that, that's definitely not happening how, how do we how do we solve that because I don't think that's a political political solution. Uh, we can have a political solution to that. Right. That, what, what that's a cultural shift where people are not really interested, as you told earlier, and we have to do something about that. But there comes the mentality of majority of the people where people are create for the entertainment and where they think science is not entertaining. We have detached uh, every subject from each other in a way that be it our education system, be it uh, in general way of thinking, like everything is different from each other. Mm-hmm. Science is different, arts is different, everything is different. Mm-hmm. So people don't associate science with, with art. arts, but that's a major part of art because that's how you think and that's how yeah. science happens. Like, yeah. uh, people think these are two disconnected things. She means saying. Critical thinking with creative thinking is what we don't have. We we lack compassion. We people don't people don't relate to these things. That what Neil deGrasse Tyson does is he just throws in away fun facts. Yeah, that's what he enjoyed. He's like he bashes people. Uh, all these uh, movies was done the science horribly wrong. It's just way of having fun, and that's something people have to understand. And I think we can bring that content. It's not just about media being thing. We need those kind of people who can do that and uh, people are, who are willing to take that. And I'll, I'll plug in some of Neil deGrasse Tyson's videos uh, in the middle. Yes, sure. Yeah, continue. So uh, that that's what we have to do. And the people who are there, are probably some content creators, they have to work together with these uh, uh, giants in the media to make it happen. So the things are not really, you know, separated from each other the way we think they were or they're not really. Like mm-hmm. there are a lot of everything you can associate with astronomy these days. People are coming with, with a lot of new uh, fields, which I personally learned last year uh, from a fellow friend. Uh, she she introduced me to astrobiology and extremophiles. Okay. Uh, what is that? You go to the Antarctica and study different uh, these uh, basically bacteria and microbes who can yeah. survive extreme, extreme temperatures. Yeah. 
extreme conditions and then how you can model your uh, data and uh, like data modeling basically is done to search life outside of the earth like because the because of the extreme temperatures that is i personally wasn't aware of and she introduced me to that so these are the fun things you have to bring to them and uh, that's something probably i'm not sure if the media can do it but alternative media can definitely do it uh instagram twitter maybe like the content creators who are doing it uh like right now spotify is a great platform what do you have here the the things we have been talking can definitely be made into a proper thing uh, where yeah. people are doing this like already we are doing that but you know what in the way where you were talking just invite somebody and just talk about that yeah yeah that's because i think when for example you're saying that uh, growing uh, the idea of science communication in the country we are bringing big media uh, in collaboration with the small small media but the small media is very niched uh, having a lot of experts into it the big media doesn't have experts but uh, have a lot of leverage so bring yes. these two can do a lot of bring a lot of wonders to the whole industry uh, i get it the problem with for example uh, even with podcasting over here and specifically science fields and stem fields this is very detailed and niche down i don't think i have particularly heard any other show that is so that goes so much into detail like for example we are still on the question question number 1 right that goes yeah. into so much detail in, into one singular topic i haven't heard of it and that's why i think a lot of people uh, that are very enthusiastic they get it people who are not which is actually greater in population won't uh, be resonating with it that's a problem that i think we have faced uh, as science educators and stem educators and stem outreaches so far how so this question brings uh, up into the conversation is that even when science is such a niche down and such a field where you need a lot of knowledge beforehand to understand a few things how do you even integrate some of some of the knowledge that we have about science and stem into the minds of people who know nothing about it uh that's a very interesting question so i think uh, again i will go back to my first um, point where i made it like you need to make it relatable even without the knowledge you can make it relatable mm-hmm. so i'll give you an interesting example where i tried to do that i'm not sure i'm successful but i tried to do that uh, a girl from fourth grade asked me this particular question and the question was very intricate uh because they have seen the youtube videos they are aware of a lot of things so her question was uh earth's population has been increasing and uh we have to move to the mars i know uh, like some of us have, would have to move to mars because we are running out of the resources mm-hmm. and uh, so how do we survive on mars was her question now that's a very intricate question for a fourth grader to be honest because i never thought of this question <laughs> even i was in fourth grade i was not aware Yeah yeah now uh i have to give her an answer i can definitely give her an answer but i cannot use the word biosphere or biodome no i to make make her understand that mm-hmm. but still she needs an answer to satisfy her own curiosity mm-hmm. so what i told her was i asked her a few questions like uh do you have ac at home she was like yeah i have ac at home. great 
So how do you do, like, how do you use it? Is like, uh, I turn on the main switch, then set the temperature to 24, 25 degrees and uh, just start using it. Then I asked her, like, how do you use the AC? Like, uh, is it when it's cold, like, uh, if the everything is opened or you close the bedroom? Yeah. It's like, yeah, I have to close the bedroom and uh, shut the door, otherwise it will not get cool, like, it will not get colder. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know, like, imagine we'll build a big room on the Mars, let's say, a large room where we fit all these things. And then we uh, probably install a few trees around it. Uh, and then we start uh, getting the oxygen from them. And let's see, like, to give her an example, and uh, we start building more and more rooms uh, to connect these things. And mm. then maybe we can start living on the Mars. And she was really satisfied with the answer. So here, probably, I'm not sure. I'd done a few things wrong as well. If you, yeah, if you're I would say. I would say I, I rec do recognize a few things that might have been wrong in that answer. So, uh, I know that. But at the same time, you have to do the this this particular thing where uh, you, uh, you have to give them some answer to satisfy their curiosity. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes answer can be superficial. Very superficial, right? Uh, because people don't understand the complexity, and when the superficial answer satisfies their curiosity, mm -hmm. then they move on to the next part of finding the answer, right? And uh, what is the next part? The next part is basically they go back to uh, their home, they search for the same thing, and she did, right? And she saw the movie Martian. And she came back and she told me, uh, Anna, I saw the Martian movie. He grows uh, potato out of his own shit, literally. And she was really amazed by the fact that you can grow that thing by your own uh, mm -hmm. thing. Like, that was the most entertaining part for her. So, now, <laughs> I, I have given some wrong answers, but she's on the right path. And yeah. now she pursue whatever she wants in that uh, fat and whenever she comes to me, I can give her more detailed answers. Mm -hmm. So you say, so you so you're saying the the basic idea of sparking curiosity into someone's mind to know something is what we yes. require. And that is a very superficial answer. It's not a satisfiable answer, but it has to be superficial. It has to be, uh, you know, that hook that will bring the curiosity out of you to me or me to you, whatever whoever is doing the stuff. Did you see this? Did you see that? Is it this thing? Like, these things. Okay. Um, one of the most challenging problems educators worldwide face today, no matter where they come from, they are and what education system they teach, is how can they balance the need for scientific accuracy and rigor in space education with the desire to engage and excite learners of all ages and backgrounds? Uh, that's, a, that's a very uh, hard problem we are tackling right now because uh, all of these kids uh, who are in the uh, space right now in the city kids I'm not talking about some tribal kids on uh, who doesn't have access to the internet that's a different topic altogether but who have the access they uh, they, they don't know there is no filter on the content you type astronomy you get hundreds of thousands of video some of them are wrong most of them are wrong sorry only some of them are right. Most of them are wrong. And uh, there is no filter to that. So they they get, they, they watch these videos, they come back to you and they ask these questions, whatever 
has been the video because uh, in the last 10 years, I've seen this uh, trend basically. Whatever is on video is true. Because it's there. Because it's online. There is the ba- Whatever is on YouTube is true is what people are feeling. Okay, that's... Okay. I see, I see. So, they come back to you. Technically, to be honest, uh, educators' roles have narrowed down to one thing. To teach kids what to filter and how to filter. Because learning is in a self process you, you you cannot teach anybody these days even in the back in the day uh, it's just a experimentation of the stuff but uh, these days it's everything is available right as educators technically our roles have been finished uh, like how do you teach but the only thing you can tell them is the uh, if from what to filter and how to filter right so then they come back to you and then they ask, uh, Anna, the, this is this, this is that. Is it right? right. And uh, most of the answer, 99% of the answer, uh, my answer goes like, uh, no, it's not right. Mm-hmm. It's wrong. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I remember uh, on 27th of March or 28th of March, uh, there was this guy on Instagram, I don't know who it is. He makes these reels. A uh, new event is coming up. Five planets are lining up in the night okay. sky, like that. Mm. And uh, many people saw that, and hundreds of people called us. When are you setting up to do this? I'm mm. like, the planets are not visible. Uh, you have to be somewhere on the seashore, probably, to see Mercury and Jupiter because they are very close to the horizon. Uranus, mm. uh, you cannot see with naked eyes. So, when people say the five planets are visible, there has to be an asterisk or there somebody, I would say, please start a YouTube channel or a Instagram channel who copies his reels and gives them asterisks. Yes, that is possible. But in X, Y, Z conditions. Okay, so I think the problem that the content creator would himself or herself face over here is how much have you provided in 60 seconds bare worth of yes. content? How much can you provide in one single video? We are having a conversation that may last an hour, right? Even more depends. Correct. But how much can you even give in 60 seconds? Almost nothing. You can only give the the idea of what it is on the surface. Correct. So they're doing a billion job in the first part I'm talking about, where you have to have a superficial approach to get people booked in. But then there is a concern of just doing that will just be everybody's just into superficial content and that is not happening and mm-hmm. that's where the astronomy gets disappointing where people come to the observational astronomy mm-hmm. people have looked at all these images from Hubble and uh, James Webb and all these uh, very interesting astrophotographers mm-hmm. which look beautiful and colorful and when they come to the telescope and put their eye to the telescope all these galaxies and uh, Nebula just look like a white smudgy patch with some details on it. And they're like, where are the details? Where are the colors? Yeah, open sizes are not designed for that. Whatever you will see, just black and white stuff. And that's where the disappointment started because they've come with that hooked up mind. And then the disappointment is bottomed out. And then you again, from that point onwards, there are very few people who keep or they're keen in interested me. They are keenly interested in pursuing it further because they are like, oh, this is the realistic thing. 
Now, this is what my expectation should be. Then they take a part. Okay, so let's say one out of every 10 people are actually interested in about... Yes, yes, yes. And so only then will they will they go to some yes. other site and to make the information legit. Yep, yep. So you so you're saying the idea of educators around the world and how they come to how to differentiate and distinguish legit information from rumors. Yep. Right. I think that's a problem that not only you are facing as educators. I would say that is something that almost everybody feels. What if the media on Twitter? Like, can you even tell what is true on Twitter? No, right? In fact, I think there's a data data that says uh, rumors and uh, wrong information spread spread multifold times. I don't remember the exact uh, number, but multifold times faster on Twitter than the real information. Yes. So that's a problem that everybody is facing in every sort of sector, from from social media content creation, um, education, STEM field, uh, or any form of education in any in any specific field. Uh, that's a problem very hard to solve. I've also discussed about that on LinkedIn with uh, some of my connections or some of the people I've engaged with uh, online. But even they, like they have their very organizations who are actually trying to solve this thing. How do we differentiate rumors from actual information and then give them to the people? Probably providing them with a portal, probably a website, a platform where they could actually find legit information by providing them legit information on half the page and providing them the rumor on half the page. What the rumor is and what the legit information is. And they are still able to not find the right solution to it because the amount of rumors that can be done is like 20 Achivama books. And the amount of legit information is like one book. Right. The ratio is just quite less. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The... The ratio is just too too much. There is no competition between the number of rumors and the number of legit information related to that thing. Yeah. Uh, Moving on, in what ways can space education help foster critical thinking and problem-solving skills? And how can we measure the the effectiveness of these outcomes? Oh... Critical skills uh, would be, uh, I would tell you in a different thing, it's just not astronomy because this I'll tell you on now a very personal experience I see. we have been doing. Yeah, sure. So, um, we uh, do something called as life skill expeditions. And when life skill expeditions are where we take the kids to Madhumalai Forest, which is a remote location, which borders the uh, Madhumalai Tiger Reserve. And uh, their kids are in a very hostile environment per se because it's not familiar to them. Mm-hmm. And we control the experience. So from building a tent to observing the skies where all, everything is turned off around you, you're, you're in a bitch black darkness, mm-hmm. to be aware of your surroundings. All of these combines into the life skills they have lost. And even the space education, uh, our parents have looked uh, to the night sky uh, quite often than we do because we have been living in a light polluted world for a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, most of the kids these days have lost a basic sense of directions. Um, left, right, up, down, how to navigate. 
because they have been using the Google Maps for a long time. They just say Google it. I mean, no, you have to find your own way. You have uh, the taught kids to use lat longs, uh, latitude longitudes to find the positions. Because that's how the Google map works in principle. And they've lost this skill. So all of these smaller things will dissolve them like to be, uh, I'm not saying better person, but to be just as good as what we are. Because I know how to navigate. I can navigate without the maps based on the locations I remember and the places I have in my head. Because I observe and people have lost the observation part. I, I tell, like, this is a very interesting term I'll tell you. There's a very huge difference between seeing and observing. We yep. don't observe. We have, we have lost the patience of observation. Mm. We're like, this is not happening. I'm seeing that thing, but that's not happening. No, but you have to take the patience. Even I lose my patience sometimes. I'm not saying, oh, David will lost it does. But that's where the difference between the vision comes and the seeing comes and most of us are just seeing things and that we have lost our analytical skill of observation anything we lost uh, get we don't get to see the details we don't remember things we read like these things can be solved with space education or the astronomy education what we do because it engulfs the experience the astronomy is what you can say you can basically teach all of these things separately. Astronomy is one part which engulfs this experience into an exciting one. So, if I am teaching you or we are learning lenses, we have all learned lenses and the lens equations and mirrors and stuff. But at the end of the day, I don't remember or most of the people who have learned this don't remember them because it's no use for them, right? And it's boring. But what if I tell you... Uh, do you know how a telescope works? You have to learn about the mirrors or you have to learn about the lenses. Mm -hmm. So from the perspective of a telescope, suddenly the same boring lenses becomes interesting because it has yeah. given an approach. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, if I want to know how a telescope works, then I want to learn this. Then it can be taught in a very, again, superficial way or a very simpler way. Then they can go into the details of, let's say, parabolic mirror, hyperbolic mirrors, uh, the complex curve. That can be taught later. But first, again, we can hook them in. And suddenly, the cotton candy, the astronomy is basically, or space education is basically the cotton candy. To make rest of this boring, uh, mundane things interesting. Mm -hmm. is that mm -hmm. I see. Uh, sorry for the pattern noise that you all heard. Uh, there's some construction going on, but I'll try to edit it and try to reduce it as much as I can. Okay. Um. So, we've been seeing very few players in the space sector, right? But I'd love to know what role can space education play in promoting global collaboration and understanding how can we ensure that access to space knowledge is equitable and inclusive for all nations. Like, the world level collaboration global because we just talked about how America and the West have done it uh, very well by providing their uh, science communicators with platforms. Neil deGrasse Tyson has millions of followers on social media across platforms on Twitter on YouTube 
uh, has has got billions of views. Carl Sagan, we know, we know, Dr. Feynman uh, in the past. So these people have been science communicators for life, and they have been promoted. Uh, their ideas have been promoted all through the way. It hasn't happened in uh, especially Asian countries till now, especially South Asian Asian countries like India, Sri Lanka, even some parts of China. But China is still doing a great job of it because I see a lot of Chinese uh, content creators and science communicators uh, talk about if not if not just space, but about other scientific fields. I just saw. Like before this interview itself, I just saw a video on Chat GPT and how a Chinese school and a Chinese science educator and an entrepreneur is trying to integrate Chat GPT into students' lives by making them use Chat Chat GPT in an ethical way rather than allowing them to cheat through it. You know, because a lot of people are thinking that Chat GPT is a tool through which students will be able to cheat for getting answers uh, or maybe writing answers. Uh, and doing their homework, but how do we use it in an ethical way to actually find information and interpret our own solutions to the problem? Uh, these are some of the solutions that uh, other countries are coming up with. But yeah, India doesn't have anything like that, pretty much. So yeah, my question to you is: How do we promote glo- global collaboration? I think uh, the global collaboration would be getting uh, the first we can reduce the parity or disparity to be honest to between the kids in here in India because there is a lot of disparity I've taught the kids here in international school in Koimatur I've taught kids in Ladakh and I've taught kids in Sevil uh, Maharashtra the tribal kids so the difference between here is the kids here will question me I'm not uh, where is the I, I know who landed the second mission or the third Apollo mission on the moon and the name of those astronauts which I particularly don't know because I I cannot process that information I, I'm, I'm not able to go and read it but these kids can because they have time and the kids in the uh, tribal area the Sanil Maharashtra where I was working with when I started uh, I asked them do you know who's the first man on the moon so out of 50, 60 kids, one answer I was maybe Neil Armstrong. So there is that huge gap between the uh, the India, the kids in India themselves, and which we have to reduce first by just uh, telling them. Because I would say uh, the kids, the tribal kids where I was teaching, they have a larger uh, set where I can make more impact because I got a press slate. I, I don't have to. Uh, rely on them what they know I know they don't know anything so I can start press I can build them to a level where I want them to be and these kids obviously have better access to YouTube and whatnot, so they can I, I just have to be around or the everybody in this space have to be around them to guide them in a way they want but first we have to start building where the rural kids are at, where you can build up faster and better because they they are hungry for the knowledge they, they don't know anything and they want that mm-hmm. when you do that when everybody is probably at the same level in India not same same but let's say comparative levels in India then we can start talking about how we can uh, do the same integration with other communities around the globe like as they say global north and uh, global south 
that their developed countries are obviously called the global north and all the developing countries are global south. This particular uh, thing, uh, I can, I think the way I think can be solved is with storytelling because humans always uh, connect with the stories and I think astronomy per se is the greatest story ever told. We have been looking at the stars for last 50,000 years. We have got the drawings for last 20,000 years. We made the shapes. People ask me, how is that a bull? I'm not sure our ancestors said it. We can make our own shapes. And uh, if you go to, let's say, Mayans or Mayan civilization, they have completely different shapes because their skies is different. And their constellations are different. So, let's say Mayans is an example because it's a great example to put in against the Western society or what we perceive as a Western uh, things, what the names we use for. And the Mayans have a very different name. Even Indians have a different name and different stories. So, when we start talking uh, as a global society to each other and when we tell the stories, this is called that. That is what this is. And these stories will bring them together or us together. Is what I think. The stories will help the uh, help us to uh, get a inclusiveness uh, in terms of space or astronomy or any of the same education. And the problem that you're stating is bringing storytelling to kids uh, in particular. Yeah. These kids have not yet become responsible and independent for themselves till now, right? They don't have their access they do have they do know how to use technology but they don't have the access to it unless and until they are allowed to correct they have a guardian parents uh for themselves to look after them and i think if you could bring a possible solution to the problem where we are able to discuss storytelling the idea of storytelling and how kids can benefit via storing storytelling about this specific field spark their interest in that field and convince it to the parents and the guardians uh, of those students, I think that would just bring in more smoothness into the system. That would reduce the resistance because I think as you were answering uh, the question that I asked, I, th I was thinking of this of this problem all along the way because I was very convinced with, with what you said about storytelling and all that stuff because the idea of uh, podcasting is also very related to storytelling you are telling stories about this kid or the, that kid how they learned they, she watched exactly. a Martian yes. movie Martian movie to learn about this and all of that stuff but yeah this is the problem that I was facing uh, as a kid that uh, I, I was bound with studying scholastics and school education but I also had in, my interest in other fields and uh, this is a possible solution this is a pro possible problem that I think almost every other kid who wishes to go into other fields not related to what they are studying in school faces. What do you think we can do about it? Uh, I think uh, that would, uh, that would, if you, uh, the answer to that solution would be changing the education system from ground up one. That That is not a possible or plausible solution. Mm -hmm. But how to bring storytelling to the kids or uh, the, to the convincing to uh, the parents would be have them experience the same thing as the kid does. Mm -hmm. uh, usually for the stargazing, whatever uh, we have done, uh, even the even a parent comes along 
uh, to accompany them or to pick them up later in the night. And uh, I've seen that their enthusiasm has sparked. There is a telescope. I want to watch it too. And they, same way as your parents or my parents didn't let me up. Technically, my parents did, to be honest. That's why I'm here. But their parents also didn't let them to pursue whatever they wanted. And suddenly, there is something which excites them as well as the kids. So, uh, now suddenly they're interested. Oh, what do you do? Uh, what is this? So, can I take a look? Can I, can I also watch the mood? And when they're, they're done watching, they're really convinced this is something good for my kid. Yeah. It is much harder to convince a kid's parents uh, who are in a tribal region or uh, who belongs to, let's say, not so well-to-do family because they have a lot of other issues that they had. They're like, okay, well, yeah, I can watching. That, that's a very different affair altogether. Tribal, tribal people, I think they're rarely even trying to do all this because they have first of all, sorry, their first of all problem to solve is how do we survive? How to survive, yeah. So for them, this convincing is not going to work uh, and uh, the, they'll be like, but what should I eat tomorrow? That's a different problem altogether, which I personally cannot solve. Like I don't have an answer to. And I cannot justify why don't you send your kid to learn astronomy because he wants to is not an answer because they have different problems. But where these things have been good enough, the parents also are willing to do that. And there I can give them an answer why. I can give them a why not answer. Rather than why, I can give them an answer which is why not. Why not teach them? Why not teach them? We have the thing. So it's a thing. Okay, why not? And the why not answer will be a better answer in the sense that I don't have to convince them in telling them you should do this. Do you know why? Okay, X, Y, Z thing. I don't have to give them n number of reasons. I just have to tell them why not. And why not is more convincing for the most of the people because the rest of the answer has been answered. Because why not? Right. We have talked through this conversation a lot about tribals and uh, how you are impacting tribal people's lives um, by educating their kids and educating them about astro astrophotography and astronomy. Could you give me, if you're comfortable with it, how you're doing it? Uh, that's that's a, a very interesting or hard question because, and yeah, as I told you, they come from a different demographic where you don't have a starting point. You don't have, it's a fresh slate. So you start telling them a story about something completely different. Uh, the, the first time I went to the school, I remember, I asked them, or we asked them, what are your dreams? Mm -hmm. like, uh, I want to be a IPS or IS officer, mm -hmm. or I want to be a doctor. Because if IPS or IS officer who have visited their village or who have come along, they've seen the power. There are people around him, and you know, they have that uh, things in mind. So we just we were discussing about these things. And then it, when it got to the point where we had to convince them, why don't you uh, check out this thing as well, the astronomy? What, what will it come up with? What is the cost? Yeah, yeah. Of... What is the ROI? What is the ROI? So 
then when you get the fame and when you introduce them to different things, oh, this will have got that will have that. They weren't, I would say they weren't convinced, but uh, yeah, some of the answers changed in the uh, way that, okay, I might consider this as well, which I personally call a success. Mm -hmm. uh, same thing we are trying to do in Ladakh when uh, the thing is in Ladakh uh, since 2008 Ladakh has been going through two different phases after three years uh, the Ladakh tourism landscape changed mm -hmm. everybody wants to hop on a bullet and go to Pangong Lake uh -huh. so those have been the years of 10 years of Ladakh prosperity and the tourism sector booming now. From the 2017-18, for the last five years, Ladakh has been going into the second phase of tourism where they go for these uh, winter trips where most of the foreigners are now wealthy Indians pay uh, uh, these people to get into these minus 38, minus 40 degree temperatures to go on the winter tourism or winter trekking. One is Chadar Trek where you walk on the frozen river. The second is you go hunting the uh, snow leopard, which is one of the rarest uh, uh, animal to spot uh, anywhere in the world. So these th two things were there. This is where Ladakh sector thrived. And now they want to know the third thing, or the next best thing. Uh, you might be knowing uh, the Hanley, or the Hanley has been uh, like named as the Dark Sky Reserve. The whole part has been as a dark sky sanctuary. So there will be development which is controlled by the Indian Institute of Astrophysics, Government of Ladakh and Government of India. So the, the second part would be we had to convince these uh, people who are interested uh, how astronomy or learning astronomy can make you money as well. Because they're like, we are already making money with the tourism sector. We are already making money with the bike sector, a lot, lot of other things. So there we had faced this issue and we are trying to solve that. Okay, but this is a new sector which is coming up. You need something new. And many people will jump and they'll start uh, probably a hopeful to uh, get into astronomy or at least get into telescopes, uh, like buy telescopes and keep it because Ladakh is a huge place and outside of play, you have darkest skies in the world. Uh, they're blessed with the dark skies and uh, you can put a telescope anywhere in Ladakh and just start doing astronomy um, whenever it is possible. And Ladakh has, uh, because it's a cool desert, you're uh, benefited with, uh, you know, the clear skies of the, uh, like majority of the part of the year, you are blessed with clear skies. So you can do astronomy majority part of the year. And I'm hopeful they'll start doing it, uh, let's see, but that was a very hard part to convince. Like, it was very hard. Okay. Because the question is, like, the answer is why? Why should I do it? Because I'm already comfortable. Hmm. And when people or humans or everybody of us, when we get comfortable, we don't want to change. Uh -huh. You're like, uh -huh. this is perfectly fine with me, why would I change? Uh -huh. I'm, who are these people asking these questions? Are these the students or are, are these the parents of these kids? Uh, parents, uh, students, small business owners who own the business. Basically, they are the parents and also the school kids. Mm -hmm. Both of them are asking the question. Like, why should we do it? What is the point of getting into this thing? So, 
when one one of the kids get into it or one of the few people will find the success because they are the only one doing it rest of the people will jump on the train so it's like the one of the kids or one of this these students in a village uh, becomes a very prominent and a very powerful is officer everybody gets inspired to become yes it's like that that's what you're saying if somebody becomes um very successful in either of these fields in astronomy and astrophysics they uh, will inspire everybody else in this in their locals to pursue the same to pursue uh, the same that's 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 a great solution to it that's a great answer okay i'm 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 going to buy that so okay uh math in particular mathematics as yeah. a subject math has caused a lot of anxiety uh and is something very super common math anxiety in particular is something yeah. super common uh in countries like united states uh and even in india especially yeah right you see uh yeah and a few right i believe you're an educator i would say um very prominent in these countries we find very few kids who genuinely love math uh from the beginning and mind you i'm not one of those kids to be honest my opinion is that the way we teach math to kids is the reason behind it all why they don't get interested into it why they start disliking it why they start resenting from it. uh but i'd like to know what what do you think might be the reason you see such a surprise in the number of children disliking particular subject of math uh since if you talk like uh, if we go back to uh like uh, 90s kids uh the generation i belong to and the where i or were in maths uh there's been taught a subject like that it's again it's something you do you never got an answer why are you doing it why are you multiplying why are you differentiating not whatever the operation is you're just doing it you're just crunching the numbers to get an answer and eventually the answer gets you the marks that's it that's how the language of mathematics has been mm-hmm. yeah. mathematics should have been uh, comprised or should have been in a way like if you learn this because they say uh the universe language of universe is physics and uh language of physics is mathematics so if you go by the these things uh let's say why do you learn physics so to understand this particular thing you may need to do this is what should have been there and there should have been given enough or uh importance to this particular thing of bridging the gap why you're doing this like what's uh i remember one of the kids in uh back in the day in my school asked uh, one of the teachers what is pi or why do you use it they they answered because it's defined now if you google there's a very beautiful channel three brown one blue i don't know if you know the channel uh, yeah 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 so they that guy even i enjoy personally The, his videos because it interprets you it again lets you visualize what math is and then suddenly it becomes interesting right why do you differentiate okay because it's area and the or why sorry why do you integrate because it's area and the curve so forget integration and calculus he was explaining why uh, minus 1 minus 1 
in addition to minus one is minus two. It's something very basic, right? But he was explaining it very well, uh, like going so much into detail and so much deep into a very something that is very obvious to us uh, as of now, right? That's the and that's the thing. That that's what we were lacking, and it was never told as it was just a la- the language of mathematics was to get marks or to get answers. I think the was- phrase that they use is uh, mathematics is a very scoring subject. Uh, yeah. Like that, right. Yeah. So if you do that, then you are never going to get an answer, or never going to get an explanation, which is which is to make it interesting enough. And that's what it caused the anxiety because most of the people are average at something and best at something, and our education system pushes us to be best at everything, and which we cannot be. Some people are just good at arts and after our engineering or probably now it will dial down to 10th or 12th grade. But most of us enjoyed or explored our things after engineering. Oh, I think I'm interested in this. I'm not interested in that. Right. So it took a lot of time to go there. And then if it was like from the bottom, you would have been like this. Okay, this is how why you learn mathematics. This is how it makes it interesting. Again, the storytelling plays a major role in the uh, things because some of I remember uh, some of the languages teachers I had, uh, they were very experienced teacher. Like they had 30, 35 years of experience. They never taught us from the book because they had a lot of experience and they used to tell the stories, and that's how you the language was taught. Similarly, mathematics can also be taught as a language, like uh, as part of the storytelling structure. And when you teach anything as a part of storytelling or, you know, conversations, suddenly everything, every boundary goes apart. And then you can teach any of the complex subject without having any issue. And that's how we can reduce the anxiety. I'm not sure we can do it for 100% of the people, but right now, 90 percent of the kids have anxiety 10 percent are doing good we can reduce that number to 50 percent that's a win-win um i think uh the amount of engineers that india produces here is greater than the population of switzerland yeah so we see this uprise in the number of engineers that are being created yeah but i'm also considering the fact that none of uh, i mean almost i would say 90 percent of them are not actually good engineers they're just there for the sake of degrees. They've copied their assignments from their peers and stuff, right? Yes. Uh, I would say if we if we are also using math just in order to provide a medium to get a degree, this is also this is also one of the prominent uh, problems that we are facing in higher education and college education areas. Um, how do how do you Think that we can bring in love uh, for the sake of the subject of math. Like you using uh, asking the question, why should I study math? What is yeah. the reason behind studying math? What is the reason behind this this coming to existence? Why do I have to study this? How is this going to help me? All of that stuff, right? I mean, you can answer to it from the very basics to the very advanced. Like if if you're a, if you're a student. Uh, is trying to pursue something in the higher education, you can say, you're you going to use this area of your particular branch that you are trying to pursue in your higher education. So this is a legit answer to them. Uh, if, if, it, if it is a kid, you can tell 
how many chocolates do you buy a day? Okay, that's that's the uh, that's that there's a number to it. There's X number of chocolates that I buy. How many of you eat that day? Then there's a Y to that. X minus Y is the number of chocolates that have been left for the next day to eat, and then maybe you'll buy chocolates next day. It's like that. So the I mean, I'm getting what you're saying, but how do you bring in love and interest for the subject of math? Or no, I mean, not just math, but any particular subject a student might not be interested in. Uh, love, I'm not sure. I'm, I, I, I'll just think about when I'm answering the second part. Right. Interest is obviously, uh, you have to uh, remember when you're teaching, uh, let's say, because we always think of the masses. Mm. We always think uh, if we're teaching 100 kids, the mentality is all of them are interested. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of them should be interested. I'm teaching you. Oh, so, okay, you're saying that we we assume that they all should be interested or they, they might be interested. Be interested. That is why they are... That's the yeah. first thing. Right. Second thing, uh, which I've learned over the uh, few years of over here I've been, or with the kids, or anybody, uh, you always teach or want to teach kids or tell them whatever you want to. <laughs> you never ask kids what is the thing you want to learn. We never ask because we, we are like, I know this, so I'm going to tell you this. And that's the approach, right? Every teacher has that particular approach where uh, they do this particular thing where like uh, I know this I'm going to teach you this he never asked what is it you want to do I'm sure majority or few of the scenarios is not possible but in the schools and in the colleges it's definitely possible where you can be asked what is it you want to learn and then you can teach whatever you want after telling them what they want to learn because it satisfies their own, uh, you know, what I can say, enthusiasm at first, then maybe they'll be interested. If uh, out of 100, only one kid or five kids are interested in your mathematics, if you answer the question of, let's say, 20 kids, they might be interested just in a way that this guy answers or this guy listens to me. That, and that might be the second thing I would think is, that's how you approach the any boring subject is with love is basically what the other person wants to know. If they have been heard what they want to know, then that's the part of love is I would say. I'm not sure if it fits in the particular thing. I, I use the frame I use the frame of the the Yeah. Why 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 I did that was because when we are trying to pursue uh, some higher education example, let's see you're trying to get into the IIT. You are recommended to study at least 8 to 10 hours a day by any right. form of teacher. And if you're, just think about it, anybody who's listening to this, if you're studying something 8 to 10 hours a day, isn't that what we call passion? You're basically focusing Correct. and going all in on something for 8 to 10 hours. That's a lot of focus to bring in a world where the attention span of people is just in a few seconds. You're getting everything in second. So that's a, that's a lot of that's a lot of challenge to face in one single go, right? In a single day, in a single schedule, in a single uh, time frame. And that's why I think uh, the idea of bringing passion to a subject 
is only only limited to the very few who are actually very this but even the idea of interest bringing uh awareness about why you should study it, why you should be interested in it, and how you can bring up interest into this is uh, one of the problems that I think is very prominent in our education system in particular. Okay. Moving on, uh, we have recorded 10 minutes uh, of a podcast, uh, but we'll see how much it uh, goes on for. Okay, um, so a quick, quick question that I have for you. Is it true that a student who gets good grades in a subject is also great at that particular subject and tries to learn more about it outside uh, his scholastic or her scholastics? For example, let's say uh, somebody is great at physics. Is it going to be a case where that kid, is, if he or she is being taught Newton, that kid might also be interested, mean, they, they might know, know, I'm not talking about interest, but they might also know things that are outside their particular syllabus. Because as to what I've experienced, I've not really met any of these things in my surroundings who are actually studying about things outside their syllabus because uh, they're like, how do I get marks out of it? Right. Uh, that's the that's the query that he reads. So I want to know from your experience as an educator, have you found, have you found these kids and how prominent have these kids? Uh, I would say if you're getting good grades, doesn't mean uh, they're really interested in the subject itself or they're learning outside. Like there is a good possibility of most of the kids that see who are interested, uh, uh, they will they'll not be getting good marks because they are actually learning a lot of other things because they're just interested. And there are kids who are really interested in whatever is being taught. They will not go beyond the boundaries. They will know whatever they have been taught and they, have, they are only interested in that. They, 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 they will not go out of the box, but they would be really interested in that. And sometimes there are kids who are just, you know, happens to be lucky or they are just intelligent who get good marks. And they will not be interested at all. So I've, I've seen all three types of kids and most of the kids which I see are on the, of the first type. Uh, where they are generally interested in stuff, so they keep on looking for the stuff. Doesn't mean they'll get good marks or they will even get into that uh, particular topic or uh, you know uh, pursue it as a field. They're just interested. Um, so the three kids, were, if you could just mention them down one by one. The first kids who are just interested in learning the topics so they keep on learning topics they may not get necessarily good grades but they're interested the second is the box kids where uh, they're really interested in the subject but whatever is in the box or in the textbook or whatever is being taught they'll not go they'll not make efforts to uh, go beyond that box to learn more about subject because they're happy with whatever they have and they're really interested in that particular thing. If you're teaching them 3 plus 5 is equal to 8, they will not ask you what is 3 minus 5. They're really interested in 3 plus 5 is equal to 8. Okay, perfect. And this uh, this third type of kids are uh, who are not really interested at like, uh, but uh, they just keep on getting good grades. They will not be interested they'll not even study, but they'll just keep good grades. 
they're just doing good. It's just probably, uh, you can say they're more intelligent, probably, than the other. They work harder, they, they have better ga ga gathering capacity or uh, grasping capacity, anything. Right, right. Uh, we are moving towards the end of our show. Um, as a student of science as an, as an educator, what message would you like to give? Uh, I would say this is the best thing what I've learned is uh, you cannot teach anybody. Uh, teaching is a self-learning uh, process or a self-process. So you can only go and uh, share your story or share your experience and say, this is what I have. And if you're interested, uh, you can ask me questions or we can move forward with this. You cannot teach anybody because that's a self thing that's a self process and the example I would give is not a uh, perfect example in a way that it is it, it, they don't have time constraint is what musicians do all these uh, classical musicians with their granas the kid starts learning uh, or list, starts listening music at the age of 1, 2, 3 and at the age of 10 or 11, 12, they already know what is being done in the space. Uh, uh, you know, matching their vocals to whatever they have listened to. They're, they're not making effort. So it's a background or continuous process. In a way, nobody's teaching them what to do. They're just trying, they've got all the things. They're just trying to match that thing with their own voice. That's it. Or then they make their own style. That's how self-learning process are. They're like it takes a lot of time, but that's how you do it. You learn from the experiences. Uh, okay, finally we've come to an end of our show. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the seventeenth episode uh, of the Wimber Podcast, Cosmic Learning with Mir Athale. I hope you like the title. I hope you like the episode. Thank you, Mir, for coming to this show. Uh, all the credits to people who are going to be. Working on this behind the team, leave that for you all be here, present here for your time, for your patience, and uh, hope to see you in the future. The Thanks, Dimas. Thanks for inviting me. Looking forward to the podcast and uh, uh, things in the future. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. <laughs>